guys, welcome to another edition of Fired Up Radio. I am your host, Anthony Hanson. It's so great to have you guys with me today on this Monday morning. Whenever you're tuning in, um, typically upload every Monday uh, at 7.30 a.m. Central Standard Time. And then on Wednesdays, for Warning Wednesdays, where we come together, make intercession, and just begin to come in agreement and pray for one another for healing, deliverance, and anything else that's going on in today's society, knowing that we can use all the prayer that we can get. That's also uploaded at 7.30 Central Standard Time. And with that being said, with the introductions out of the way, today, I know if you were tuning in last Wednesday for Warring Wednesday, I talked about spotting the counterfeit in the book of James. Well, the Lord has given me insight on something a little different. And it deals with James chapter 1. We're still in the book of James chapter 1, verses 5 through 8. I'm going to read and pray, give you guys the title, and walk you through the points in the revelation that the Lord also shared with me that I want to specifically share with you. And the crazy part of about all of this is that as you study through the word and you take it and you dissect it and absorb it, you realize how much the word is actually timeless. It's timeless because you'll end up finding yourself going through that very situation. Maybe not right now, but what you're reading will always gear you up and prepare you for what is to come. Or it may give you the tools for you to have to give to somebody else. So in that way, they know how to fight the very circumstances that they're in. Okay. So today's passage, James chapter 1, verses 5 through 8, reads like this. Now, if any of you lacks wisdom, he should ask God who gives to all generously and ungrudgingly, and it will be given to him. But let him ask in faith without doubting, for the doubter is like the surging sea, driven and tossed by the wind. That person should not expect to receive anything from the Lord, being double-minded and unstable in all his ways. Again, this is James chapter 1. Verses 5 through 8. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you for today. Because you're the King of kings and the Lord of lords. Yet we are sinners in need of a Savior. And you provide that way of escape from, from the chains of hell. And into your marvelous light. Through your Son, Jesus Christ. Who we believe in our heart. Came, lived, died rose on the third day and seated at your right hand, who is our Lord and Savior. We believe in our heart and we confess with it with our mouth. Therefore, with the same manner, with the same sense of humility, we come before you also with a teachable spirit. Father, as we go through this portion of Scripture, may you give us wisdom, knowledge, understanding, and insight, and how to 
on how to attack this portion of scripture and how to make it practical in our lives so we may live a life that is of ease, that is a prosperous life, and a life that glorifies your name. At the end of it all, it doesn't matter what happens in this life, as long as your name is glorified. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. And amen. So today's title I want is Fighting for Position. Fighting for Position is the title. And in this in this passage, I saw that there were, were six points. I want to give you guys, or today rather, um, because it's interesting, and how scripture is kindness, plain and simple, because in this portion of scripture, we struggle with our faith, it clearly points it out that James is highlighting the fact that we all struggle with our faith. Because nothing about this life as a Christian is easy. Nothing about this walk is simple. Nothing about it whatsoever. Yet we gave room to listen to the gospel of Jesus Christ. And we made the decision clearly and boldly and emphatically to accept Jesus Christ into our heart. And to make him our Lord and Savior. But the thing is that here in this passage, James is gearing us up for a fight. And it all starts with the mind. It's the battle between having faith and having doubt. It's the bat it's the fight it's the fighting for position. Faith is fighting for position, the top position in our lives, and doubt is trying to fight for position to be over faith. This is a this is a battle that'll that'll forever take place in our heart and in our mind, in our soul, and our spirit. But the question is, how do we continue to stay on track with our faith and not give room to doubt? What is the difference when we walk in faith versus when we walk in doubt? And James here in this passage shows us what it looks like when we allow doubt to creep in, when we give room to doubt and to have its way. When we allow when we give room to doubt, we actually lose out on a lot of things. Now let me preface I said all that to say this. No matter what, God's love is unconditional. God's love is unconditional. Okay, how do I know this? Well, we can all go back to John 3.16. For God so loved the world that God loved the world. The world. Please tell me where there's exclusivity. Please tell me where he says, oh, I like, I love this kind of person, that kind of person, and this kind of person. No, he never says that. He said, God so loved the world. Okay, that's point number one on that on that front. Second piece of evidence in the same chapter in the book of James. Okay, 
He says that we may be as of first fruits unto the Lord, his creator. Okay? His created beings. So God wants us to continually be with him. Why? Because we were made in his likeness and his image. Mind you, God is not a God of partiality. We read that all through the book of Proverbs. We also see that in the book of Psalms. And notice the kind of people that God uses for specific assignments. Samson, a womanizer. David, an adulterer and a murderer. Moses, a murderer and a person with a speech impediment. He uses a woman of sorrow, that being Naomi, who has a daughter-in-law named Ruth. He, he uses Deborah, a woman in, in her time, who was not to be seen on the battlefield, yet she went with the nation of Israel, yet she went with the army of Israel to combat the Philistines and in, in the enemies of Israel. He used Rahab as... Rahab the prostitute, in the genealogy of Jesus. When you go through the book of Matthew, chapter 1, where Matthew addresses the Jew, the Israelite, that Jesus is who he says he is, just looking at the genealogy in and of itself, when you look at the, at the different people that are in the genealogy, they all had muscles. They were all screw-ups. Yet, you got Jesus out of all of it. How does that work? You cannot say that God is that God shows partiality to anyone. You cannot say that God's love is conditional when yet his love is unconditional, but to receive his blessings, that is conditional. Just like any other parent on this planet. A parent would reward their child based on the conditions that are met. One will not receive what is fully in their contract unless conditions are met. Okay? Allow me to just put that straight out and clear. You can debate me all you want. To be honest, it's an open-handed discussion. Why do I say open-handed? Because there's a bunch of questions that surround it. If God's love is unconditional, why is his blessings conditional? Okay? If, if, if God is so unconditional with his love, why is his blessing conditional? And that's a question for another day. But, to get to the passage, and to, to the first point. The first point that I want to point out in, in today's episode of Fighting for Position out of James chapter 1, verses 5 through 8, is that, Point number one, make it personal. Make it personal. Why do I say this? Well, the fifth word that James uses is the word you. In other words, James is pointing a finger at us. In other words, we need to make this a personal decision on whether we live in faith or we live in doubt. Okay? James is letting us know that if we lack anything, we are more than free to ask of the Lord, and he will give it to us. And James initially starts with, if any of you lacks wisdom, he should ask God, 
who gives. Okay? If God gives what you lack, then guess what? He will give it to you. But mind you, there's conditions, but we'll get into that in a minute. Okay? What James does in this passage is that he makes it personal when saying you. This is not to stick a finger in a in a wound, but the Apostle James is highlighting an area that he that he believes that I'm sorry, that that us believers struggle with and addresses the issue of how our prayers hardly get answered. The Apostle James makes it personal. So we make the issue personal and visceral where we begin to draw the line. It's got to be visceral. When you're sick and tired of being sick and tired, when you know that there's a lack in an area, and you just say, you know what, God, I've had enough of the fact that, that, that this is going on and that's going on. God, I need your wisdom. I need guidance. I need understanding about the situation. And say enough is enough. I need you in the in the circumstance. I need you in the situation. I need you in the in the predicament because it's only by you that I'm able to get any sort of resolve. That I'm able to get resolution. Okay, that's what James is starting off with when he says you. Now, if any of you lacks wisdom. What are you lacking that you need to start asking God for? But remember, whatever you ask of God, He just may test you in it. Like patience, He'll test you with your patience if you lack in it. Why? Because patience is not something that He just gives. It's something that you have to train up in. Why? Because it is a fruit of the Spirit. A fruit doesn't just pop up right after you plant the seed. No, 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 no. The plant goes, the seed goes through the process in order for you to bear that very fruit. Okay. You gotta keep that in mind. Alright, it's like, recently I had a visceral moment. Mind you, I live here in the city of Chicago. We had one of the craziest winters to date within the past 10, 15 years. Okay. Now, I work out in Elk Grove Village. I live on the north side of town. So I had, and my car was buried in snow, and I mean buried, okay? Now, because of the snowstorm, I had the opportunity to call off. Did I? No. Why? Because I had the consistent pattern before this job that I have now working at an auto parts warehouse, I had the consistency of calling off or pulling off no-call, no-shows to my employer, coming up with excuse after excuse after excuse after excuse. Mind you, my family is in two separate places right now. My wife and my, and my twins are living in one area. Me and my older boys are living are living under under another roof. Okay? Because of my constant misjudgment and my constant screw up of always calling off of work, of always being let go, of always 
pulling off no call, no show. I have had no. I made it this wrong. Because I could have called off. Because of how much snow I was digging, digging out around my car. But what happened? I made it this wrong. I said, you know what? Enough is enough. I draw the line here. And no longer am I going to be calling off for any sort of reason. No longer am I going to be making excuses, whether reasonable or not, to miss work. Because I need to get my family out of poverty. I need to be consistent with my job. I need to make sure that I make it to work. Despite how many people call off. Despite on what they expect. I'm going to make it to work regardless. My car is no 4x4. My car is not a truck. No, it's a... Honda, it's a, it, it's a Kia Optima. It's a little four-door sedan. And yet, I was able to make it to work. Why? Because I made it personal. I made it visceral. I dug myself out of the snow, drove through the trenches of the snow that was here for this, for this winter, this past winter, and I made it to work. It all starts with you. You gotta understand it. That's what James is pointing out when he says you. It starts with you and making the decision. It starts with you asking for help. It starts with you and letting go of pride and allowing allowing yourself to be teachable. It starts with you, husband. It starts with you on how your family is to be run. It starts with you on how you handle yourself outside of your family. It starts with you on how you handle yourself while you're at work or as you're managing your business. It starts with you. You can't blame anyone else but yourself. Remember that. You gotta make it personal. Alright. Point number two. Know who you're asking. Know who you're asking. Why do I say that? Because James tells us, if any of you lacks wisdom, he should ask God who gives. God who gives. What's his name? Jehovah Jireh. God who gives. The Lord who gives. The Lord who provides. So how's it any different now? One of God's various names is Jehovah Jireh. The Apostle James is reminding us that God is faithful to provide for our needs in abundance. If any of you lacks wisdom, let us ask in faith, and he is faithful to provide the wisdom necessary. If any of you lacks any good thing, he can, he, we can ask, and he is faithful to provide. He does not keep good things away from us. Notice how the Apostle James highlights God's faithfulness when he writes, It will be given. We read a couple of times within the Gospels, Ask and it will be given. Seek and you will find. Knock and the door will be opened. He also says that you have not because you've asked not. 
How do you expect God to provide for all of your needs if you do not make it known unto Him? Just because He is all-knowing does not mean we stop praying and stop petitioning. If any, if anything, we should we should not stop praying and stop petitioning. If anything, this should encourage us all the more. If anything, this should encourage us all the more to ask God. If he if he is the one who provides, if he is Jehovah Jireh, if he provides for all of our needs according to his riches and glory, then why are we not asking? Then why are we not making the petition for that house that we need for our family? How are we not making the petition known for the increase in in salary so that way in pay so that way we can financially take care of our family. Remember, he is our provider. He's our provider. No matter what happens, we're to always give him the honor, glory, and praise. The question is, are you able to praise him in the midst of the storm? Are you able to praise him in while you're while you're in the fork in the road? Are you able to praise him while the doors are shut? Are you able to praise Him through the trials? Are you able to praise Him through the tribulations? Are you able to praise Him while you're stuck in the mud? If you have not asked, you cannot complain that God has not provided. And if you have asked and He's not provided, it's the opportunity for you to ask God, What am I lacking in that I have not asked you in order for me to get to where the petition I've originally given you has been fulfilled. What is on the inside of me that still needs to be worked out? What am I struggling with that you see that I'm not ready to receive it yet? Because he'll know when you're ready. He knows you better than you. He knows when you're ready to receive a blessing. He knows. But you gotta ask him, where is that area that you missed, that, that you're failing in, that you need to grow in? I remember when I told my dad that I was gonna marry my wife. He said, don't do it, you're not ready. Said, Why not? You're not emotionally ready. I cannot tell you that what he said was completely true. You wanna know how I know he was, he was right? Because I blew up right in the moment in his face. But obviously I see that in retrospect. Okay. I see that in retrospect now. Hindsight 2020. Had I waited, my wife and I wouldn't be going through the challenges that we're going through now. Wouldn't have. At all. Probably not as much as we're going through now. But we're going through some stuff. Okay, but had I listened, things would have changed. Had my wife listened to her instinct and those around her that were telling her to wait, we wouldn't have gone through what we're going through. Not to the degree that we're dealing with now. But again, you got to know who you're asking. Okay, he's your provider. He will provide.
but if he doesn't provide right away, that's when you have to ask, what area am I lacking in? So I may obtain the very petition that I have given you. What area am I lacking in to obtain the blessing at a maximum? Okay. Point number three. The condition. The condition. Okay. There is no doubt that God's love is unconditional. But the blessings are not. Notice how he starts with the verse, but. That's an ugly three-letter word. But. Okay. This three-letter word changes everything. Because the Lord is now reassuring us. Reassuring our faith. Seeing if we actually believe in Him. In His ability to provide for the matter at hand. Faith cannot exist where doubt resides. And vice versa. Just like one. Just like one. Um, just like when the father brought his son to Jesus, and instead of directly dealing with the boy, the heart of the matter, the heart of the issue was the father. The heart of the issue was the father who doubted and struggled with double-mindedness. The man the man soon repented. Then, and only then, was his son was his son able to be healed. Remember, the man, the father said, I believe, but help me with my unbelief. He always wanted his son to be healed. Remember, his son was thrown by evil spirits trying to be drowned was being thrown in fire, was cutting himself, was jumping off of cliffs. Okay, but his son's life was spared and preserved. This father brings his son to Jesus and asks, asks Jesus to help heal and deliver his son. But Jesus deals with the issue at hand, the heart of the matter, that being the father. The father believed that Jesus can heal because he's done it for everybody else, but struggling to believe that he would be able to heal and deliver his son. So there's also a matter of unbelief. The father repented of the unbelief. And then and only then did Jesus heal the boy. Then and only then Jesus healed his, healed, uh, delivered, the, delivered the boy from the, from the evil spirit that were residing in the son. Okay. It is the same principle with our prayers. If we are struggling with double-mindedness and doubt, we are to expose that sin, expose the double-mindedness, expose the doubt, repent of it, renounce that spirit of double-mindedness and doubt, and ask for the Lord to help to help us in Help, help us and with the, and ask the Holy Spirit for guidance to no longer deal with it and to be delivered from it. Okay. The only way that we would ever be 
be delivered and healed from the mindset of double-mindedness and doubt is when we recognize the sin, when we repent of it, renounce it, and ask the Lord to help us to combat it and, and ask the Holy Spirit to dwell on the inside of us so we no longer have to deal with it. Okay? Now, point number four. Treading water. Treading water. And this goes when when uh, James starts starts off with the verse, for the doubter is like the surging sea, driven and tossed by the wind. Okay, the Apostle James here gives us a distinct, vivid imagery of what it is like in the mind, in the heart of a man who uh, who does who deals with doubt and who and who is double-minded. Okay. Notice he uses three adjectives. James here uses three distinct adjectives that expose expose um, how those who deal with doubt in those who deal with doubt are mainly influenced by I'm sorry by powerful external forces. When we give room to external force, external voices or influences, we can recognize and in discern that the, that their agenda was to shipwreck, was to shipwreck us, and not to guide us along the chartered path. Okay, there's going to be people in our lives that will go ahead and try to subliminally destroy us, either in secret or in public. Their goal is to try to rob us of the blessing. Trying to rob us of what God has in store for us. It's not their intention, but the spirit behind the man. The spirit behind the person is what drives them to cause disruption with our faith, cause disruption and hinder us from receiving the blessings that God has in store for us. Okay? Mind you, we have to be careful who we surround ourselves with. We have to be careful. And the voices that we allow to speak into our lives. Mind you, your ears are not made for garbage, are not made as garbage cans. Okay? They're not the cylindrical file cabinet. Alright? Your ears are made to receive light, not death. Your ears are made so that when you can hear teachings and preachings and the motivational and positive influences, to build up your faith, not tear it down. But to build up your life, not destroy. Okay? Now, point, point, two more points and we're done here. Point number five. Coming up empty-handed. Okay? This is right after uh, the three adjectives. That person... For the doubter is like the surging sea, driven and tossed by the wind. Surging, driven, tossed, those are the three adjectives, okay, by the wind, the external force. 
We're going on here for point five, coming up empty-handed. That person should not expect to receive anything from the Lord. That person should not expect to receive anything from the Lord. That person is referencing to the person who doubts. The doubter is the one who won't re who should not re expect to receive anything. Okay? Because if you doubt God, He will not provide the provision for the petition. Alright? When we doubt God, it is as if we scoff and eye roll when we ask Him for help, yet doubt simultaneously. We cannot have it both ways. When we ask of God for something, or an increase, or even a revelation, we are to ask in faith. Why? Scripture tells us, the righteous live by faith. Now faith is the evidence of things hoped for, of things not yet seen. Faith is, a, uh, without faith, it is impossible to please God. Faith comes by hearing, and hearing the word of God. And that's just a few scriptures here. Um, faith is the foundation of our righteousness, and it is the only way to please God. By the measure of our faith, mountains move and heaven opens, opens wide. But when we doubt, it creates a barrier, a hindrance of God's blessings, or worse, steals God's blessings from us. We will all face doubt, but the question is, what and how will we deal with it? Are you going to preach to your doubt and and to combat it with the word of God? The same way that Jesus confronted Satan in the wilderness when Satan presented the temptations to Jesus? What did Jesus do? He quoted scripture. He, co he quoted scripture with scripture to combat the temptation. Mind you, Satan is a top-notch theologian. He knows the word inside and out, backwards and forwards. Front to back. Satan used the word of God against Jesus. But Jesus knew the word of God better than Satan. Because why? James 1 1. James chapter, or John chapter 1 tells us that the word became flesh. Jesus was the word incarnate. So Jesus knew the word to use against the temptation that Satan was presenting to Jesus. The only way you can ever combat your doubt is by combating it with the Word of God. Period. The greatest weapon ever is the Word of God. Because whatever enemy you're facing, whether it be a doubt, anxiety, depression, fear, double-mindedness, rejection, abandonment, addiction, maybe, there's a verse for that. Just like how there's a pill for everything, there's a verse for everything that you're dealing with. Marital issue. Guess what? There's portions of scripture that deal with marriage. Money? Guess what? The Bible is riddled with, word, with, with verses and portions of scripture 
about how to handle your finances, possessions, and worldly goods. Over 2,000 scriptures in the Bible just talk about possessions, worldly goods, and finances. You got an issue? The Bible already has a solution. And it's God's solution. Not man's solution, but God's solution. Biblical principles that deal with everyday life. Okay. Which leads me to my last point. Point number six. The battle within. Notice at the end. At the end of that, of the, of the last verse, of verse 8. The verse starts off with, That person should not expect to receive anything from the Lord. That is the doubter. Being, and this is, this is where the last point, the battle within comes into play. Being double-minded and unstable in all his ways. There's two key things to take away from that. Number one, this whole portion of scripture was highlighted in, the, in this second half of the verse is that James is addressing the mental health issue. <gasps> mental health. The most taboo subject in all of Christianity right now and in the westernized church of America. The most taboo subject. Oh, you can't be anxious because... Because God just tells you that you shouldn't be anxious for anything. Oh, you're doubting. You shouldn't be doubting if you believe in Jesus. If you have faith, you shouldn't be doubting. And all doubt happens. Double-mindedness comes about. It's a funny term in the world of psychology. It's called cognitive dissonance. Cognitive dissonance. And if you're wondering what that means, I have that right in front. Cognitive distance, the, dis, the definition on Google is this. The state of having inconsistent thoughts, beliefs, or attitudes, especially as relating to behavioral decisions and attitude change. In other words, you're stuck between a rock and a hard place. You're, where the, you're stuck at the fork in the road. You're, you're, you're up a creek without a paddle. Use whatever metaphor you want, whatever cliche you want to use. You're in trouble mentally because you know one path brings life, one path brings death. But you're stuck in the middle, paralyzed, not knowing where to go. You cannot make up your mind. You're unable to make the, the right choice, the right decision, because you're stuck in the middle. And you just don't know how to break up. Double-minded and unstable in all of his ways. Ways being light. Okay? Mind you, and I wrote this point down to go, to go with it, is the physical exposes the mental instability. The mental health will be the physical manifests the reality of your mental stability or instability. 
Alright. Here the Apostle James uses two distinct phrases and or words that exposes where it all starts and raises awareness about mental health. One, he uses the phrase double-mindedness. Number two, unstable. These two words, phrases, are found in conjunction with mental health issues, which only confirms the ongoing reality that the mind is where the battle begins. Mind you, the Apostle Paul affirms this in affirms this in two ways. Number one, Romans twelve one to one verses one and two. Romans chapter twelve verses one and two. What does it say? I beseech you, brothers, be not conformed to the patterns of this world, but be transformed by what? The renewing of the mind. The renewing of the mind. In other words, getting yourself, taking out the old habits, the old way of thinking, the old paradigm shift, the old vision, and trying to bring in the new. The new way of thinking, the new way of seeing, the new way of believing, and bringing in new habits. Okay? In the second time, he brings us up in Ephesians 6, when he's talking about the, putting on the full armor of God. Okay? In Ephesians, in Ephesians 6, when he talks about the helmet of salvation, we are to always recall that we are sinners in need of a Savior, that being Jesus Christ, and to make Him Lord of our lives via daily confession. I was telling my wife the other day, like, you gotta understand something. I know I mess up every day. That's why every morning, I confess that Jesus Christ is my Lord and my Savior. Why? Well, why not? If I live out this Christian walk, I want to re recall it every single, at least once a day in the morning, every single day as I'm praying. When you go back to when David was king and he was bringing the temple back from Obed-Edom's house, what did he do? He made sacrifices every five to six steps because he was afraid that either him or somebody else in and who's with him, bringing the Ark of the Covenant back to the house of God, has sinned. He made sacrifice every five, six steps without fail to ensure that everyone was safe, ensuring that there was a repentant heart, ensuring that no one would die while carrying the Ark of the Covenant. We are to have the same attitude and mindset to daily and, continu and continually confess that Jesus Christ is our Lord and our Savior to begin the process of renewing the mind. Okay? Now, mind you, nothing about this is easy. There will be points where we may doubt and begin to question God. There's nothing wrong with being transparent with Him. But we do have to acknowledge when we are weak and struggling with our faith. So he can give us the strength to endure the trials that we face and go through. So I ask the question, guys, with this final, with this final 
in closing, what are you allowing to fight for position? Are you allowing faith to win top position? Or are you allowing doubt to win top position? Both are fighting for position. The flesh and the spirit are always fighting for position. There's fighting going on in your mind. There's God's thoughts. And the external forces are trying to rob you of God's blessings. How's that fight going? Who's fighting for position? And who's winning? Faith in God's voice? Or doubt in external forces that have come to kill, steal, and destroy God's blessings in your life? With that being said, Let's pray out. Lord, we thank you for today. We thank you for this word. We thank you for the word that's gone forth. Father, I pray in the name of Jesus that it went forth, not by my might, nor by my power, but by your spirit. Father, I pray that your spirit was made known. I pray that agitated the hearts and the, and the, spirit, and the spirit within the man to begin to examine themselves, wondering, Faith is, is, is in the top position or doubt is in the top position. And if it's doubt, Father, help us with our unbelief. Help us with our doubt and exercise it out so in that way we may increase our faith by hearing your word. Because your word says that the righteous walk by faith. Without faith, it is impossible to please you. And faith comes by hearing and hearing your word. So, Father, I pray that we continually soak in your word, that we continually listen to your word, whether it be it through the Bible app, whether it be via preachings and teachings, whether it be us reading the word out loud. And, Father, I pray for those who are struggling in, with their mental health. Father, I pray in the name of Jesus that every external force be silent in the name of Jesus, every external voice that is not of the, that is not of the voice of God. I render you mute now. I bind you in the name of Jesus. You will no longer have power and authority. For we renounce you right now. And we repent of anxiety. We renounce and repent of depression. We renounce and repent of our double-mindedness and our doubt. And we speak a sound mind, a sober mind, a mind that is able to make clear, distinct, clear, and distinct decisions based on the word of God. We thank you and we praise you. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. Thank you guys for joining me today on this episode of Fired Up Radio. Again, I am your host, Anthony Hansen. Tune in Wednesday, 7.30 a.m. for Warren Wednesday. And again, next week as we continue the book of James, chapter 1. Love you guys. Have a great day.